Whom would you say you would rather be, the person who is helping or the person who is being helped? I think we all like it better when we're able to help someone. And for followers of Jesus, I mean, helping others in their times of need is a big part of who we are. But there are, of course, also times when we're in the place of the person needing help. It may not be our favorite position to be in, but in reality, we all spend time in both spots in life, being helped and being the helper. Well, that subject is what leads off the final part of the Discover the Word group's study of the New Testament letter to the Galatians called, It's All About Grace. And so pull a chair up to the table as we discover how both when we need help and when we're giving help, receiving and gently giving grace are crucial parts of our faith in Jesus. Discover the Word with us next. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries with Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And for the last five episodes of this podcast, you've been on a journey with your study partners through Paul's New Testament letter to the Galatians. Not long ago, in a survey we did on Facebook, a number of you suggested that we study an entire book of the Bible together. And so that's what the group has done and we found it to be really helpful. We always stress how important the context is, but uh, going through the whole letter to the Galatians like this has just opened up so much more. Knowing the context of each sentence uh, helps us understand and not misunderstand what Paul is writing. And maybe the biggest thing that this has helped us understand is that the gospel of Jesus isn't about keeping rules and being a better person. It's all about grace. And so with that in mind, we now come to chapter six in part six of our study. And so let's see how that foundational idea of grace affects how we hear what Paul is saying to the Galatians about times when we help and correct someone. And how important it is to remember that there are times when we're in the place of being help and needing to be corrected and needing grace. So, Lisa. Counselors are fellows and women who help other people work through issues. Like what kinds of issues? Family issues. Yep. Mm-hmm. Addictions. Yep. Yeah, my mind went right to relationships like mm-hmm. you, Mark. Most of the counselors I've been engaged with or have recommended people to, it's been about relationship mm-hmm. issues of one kind or another. Yeah. Death. Mm. Struggling with the death of a child or death of a brother or sister. Life yeah. adjustments. Yeah, dark moods. Mm. PTSD. Yeah, yeah, mm. difficult moods that you can't get past. Yeah. Money problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I typically think, well, the counselor is the one who helps fix. But you know what? Almost every counselor, I think, statewide for each state is required to also be in a relationship where he or she is receiving instruction and supervision. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, I can think of some reasons. What comes to your mind? Why would a counselor who's helping others be required by state law to also be helped in a supervisory kind of You can only carry so much. You have to have some place to offload some of that and release some of that or else it'll just wipe you out. That's good. You have boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. relationships that end up being inappropriate between Mm -hmm. counselors and those who they're counseling. And so So having accountability accountability of of boundaries. Makes a lot of sense, I think. As we move into Galatians 6, this is our last chapter 
We're going to be focusing on relationships because that's what Paul is focusing on. And really, in a sense, he's been focusing on relationships the whole time, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, good point. How so? Let's review a little bit. Well, he's been talking about his relationship with the Galatians and the relationships between the Galatians and the Judaizers and the relationships of the churches in Galatia to the church in Jerusalem. So there's a lot of relationships that have been on the table already. But wasn't the biggest issue, though, always a matter of principle? Yes, How do you mean? Well, it was the law, grace. It was, are you living by rules or are you living by the Spirit? Mm -hmm. What's Jesus all about? It seems like all the relational issues were related, connected to that big idea. But again, ultimately our ideas or our concepts or our theology ultimately infects our relationships. And so I think you're 100% right. The problem is a problem of principle. The impact was the damage it was doing to relationships. Yeah, That's that a makes great sense. Way to put it. Yeah, and Paul's heart is breaking over the breakage that's occurring. So the churches, and there's multiple churches in the province of Galatia that are receiving this letter that's going to be passed around from church to church, where Paul had been and had known these people and cared about these people. The churches are struggling. They're struggling between their theology, saying is either all up to me and the law, or it's all up to God and grace, and I don't understand. And they're fighting amongst themselves. And Paul's heart is breaking over his brothers and sisters, as he calls them, his family, as he calls them. So what I want us to do today is look just at, at Galatians 6.1, but actually let's go ahead and read Galatians 5.26 through 6.1, and we're going to focus our attention in there. Mark, do you have that? Okay. Paul writes, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if any other believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I have to say, Elise, I'm really glad you had Mark read it that way because the (laughs) chapter divisions are artificial. Hmm. They help us navigate our way through. But sometimes we become slaves to the chapter divisions, and we lose the continuity of ideas that go from chapter to chapter. So I'm really glad you read it that way. That is really helpful. And Paul has just talked about the difference between living by the flesh, where works of the flesh are what we produce, versus yielding to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to grow in us the graces or the fruit that represent Him in our relationships. Mm. And Paul started in part of chapter 5 saying, you don't bite and devour each other. You're going to destroy each other. And then he ends chapter 5 and verse 26, don't be conceited and provoking and envying. And now he talks about if you see somebody who's struggling. So he's immediately again saying brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. underlining the relationship. And when he talks about him, if anyone's caught in a sin, the picture is of somebody running and then being overtaken by sin, caught. Sin catches up to you. So there's Mm. an element of surprise here. And Paul says, you who live by the Spirit, who is that? Try to restore that person. What do you hear in these words? And what do you see Paul really encouraging the Galatians to implement? Well, the first thing that jumped out at me having just had the conversation last week on the fruit of the Spirit, is one of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit, one of those nine graces, shows up right here. How you are doing this, it can only be done in the Spirit because the Spirit's going to be the one who provides gentleness, Mm -hmm. one of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. That's good. Is that what you had in mind when you referred to the fact that those who are in the Spirit, the text says, Mm -hmm. you who are godly? 
because it made so much more sense when you said those who are in the Spirit. The NIV says, you who live by the Spirit. And the NRSV says, you who have received the Spirit. The NAS says, you who are spiritual. And I've got the New Living Translation says, you who are godly, which to me throws me. And the spiritual throws me because, okay, well, I'm spiritual, so I'm going to (laughs) confront them. Okay, so we're really talking about how our minds are changed, our beings are changed as we're in step with the Spirit, walking with Him. We put a lot of baggage on being godly or spiritual, but I think Paul's really talking about being in relationship with the Spirit. I'm immediately thinking of so much of Galatians has been about weaponized truth. You had the Judaizers that were attacking Paul's credibility. They're trying to lead the Galatians to their way of thinking, not because they're not sincere about their desire to follow Jesus, to obey God, but because they see it as their right Mm. and they need everybody else to see it the way they do. And then if we're not careful, we could read Paul's words as weaponized truth. Oh, you foolish ones, you just don't get it. And one of the things that's been helpful is to see how often he's affectionate toward the Galatians and being truthful to them. And we're going to have the same yeah. Yeah. temptation. And we're we gonna, can weaponize truth too. We're going to pull that back in as we talked about counselors at the beginning. We have our own work to do as we're restoring others. Yeah, and I think... When it comes to you who are spiritual, you can weaponize that too. A spiritual person, a godly person. Mm. That's where our conversation in the last few days has been helping so much to see that Paul's talking about those who desire the Spirit to do work in them because they desperately need that. Not because they're arrogant or think that they've somehow arrived. Mm -hmm. And Paul backs that up by telling us, if you're going to engage in this, keep your own problems in view as well, because you have not yet made it to the supreme example That's of That's exactly right, Bill. And you led us through in chapter two, some amazing confrontations, you know, Paul with Cephas, Peter, in private and in public, different mm-hmm. ways he did that. So he's modeled this previously in this particular letter. And so now he goes, you who are spiritual, you who are living by the Spirit should restore. And that word really means to mend or repair, like mm. you'd set a broken bone gently. That involves forgiveness. So this tenderness comes from understanding my need to be forgiven And from that, my need to forgive others. That's what he means. That's a spirit in which if someone is caught in a sin, you live by the spirit, should restore that person gently. And then he leaves it with this last sentence, and we'll go into some more in the next few conversations, but watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. So you who know you need the spirit, keep that in mind as you reach out to those who need your help and things that they're entangled in. And I think that what you just said, Marta, is so important because it has to be looked on as those who need help, not as those who need correction. Yeah. Because that's the idea of you who are spiritual, mm. take those unspiritual and make them more spiritual. Lord it over them. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. But to see that as, no, this is offering help, and maybe next time I'm going to be the one who needs the right. help. And I think a spirit of gentleness comes straight out of that spirit of humility of knowing that I'm just as close to making the mistake as they are. I need the Spirit. There's a beautiful way in which when we embrace our own brokenness and our need for grace, then we recognize the brokenness in another person. And we hold up our own, not as an excuse, but as a connectivity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in jars of clay, that it's clear that the power is not from me, it's from God. Then my brother, 
and my sister see the hope they too can have in the Spirit. Great start to this final part of our study of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 is our focus as we come down toward the end of this letter. And so let's push ahead into verses 2 through 6 now of chapter 6 as Paul continues to help them apply the grace that he's been talking about. And so what's next is a practical discussion about what it looks like to live under what Paul calls the law of love. Now, wait a minute. Is this saying we're back under a law again? I thought it was all about grace. Well, let's listen. What do you think of when you hear the word boundaries? What comes in your mind? I think of white stakes in the ground because that marks out of bounds on a golf course. Oh, you were so specific. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I, I, that should come to my mind. I thought of the words... Remember your boundaries. Ooh. You got to know your boundaries. Emotional boundaries? Like relational boundaries. Ah. Yeah. Sounds like you've had a little counseling. <laughs> Hello, encounters. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm great. thinking of wooden stakes uh-huh. with uh, a little bit of pink ribbon Ooh. at the top, plastic ribbon, and spray paint. And all the times that I would go out on construction sites with my dad and help uh-huh. with putting survey stakes in the ground. Yeah. Those of us who own a home would have a boundary marker that maybe a fence is on or your utility lines run on. Um, There's certain boundaries between states. Our good friends, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, John Townsend's been with us a couple of times, have written a book about the emotional boundaries, Mart, the relational boundaries that you allude to and how they affect our relationships. And they've helped us understand them from a Christian perspective, but from a human perspective Mm -hmm. as well. And this is where Paul takes us as we continue in chapter 6 of the book of Galatians, as we're netting out what the understanding of the gift of grace can offer us in our relationships Mm -hmm. with each other. Does he use the word boundaries, Paul? I don't think so. But I but you think you, you, think, <laughs> yeah, you, think I, you see him. Yeah, I'm translating him into right. them. Yeah, I think I see him. And let's see if you think they're there as well. If that concept that's been popularized in our era is really what Paul was talking about, the, the advice he was giving to okay. the, the early first century church that would help them get hmm. along with each other a little differently. We're going to be going to Galatians 6, and we're going to be focusing in on verses 2 to 6, and remind us where we were in our past conversation, just what's led up to this. He's really helping us apply grace. Yeah, he was speaking to people that have a healthy understanding that they need the Spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that out of that healthy understanding, that they have seen others who are struggling in that understanding. Mm -hmm. Sin has creeped in to their hearts or their lives, probably some of the sins that we saw expressed in chapter five that are described as of the flesh Mm -hmm. and out of love for those people and out of that understanding of the spirit and what the spirit's done for them, they can look at those people and say, Hey, I see something. Let's work on this. Yeah, Yeah, that's good, Daniel. And that reminds me that in the overall study of this letter, it seems like I hear over and over again, Paul saying, we need the spirit 
More than we need the rules, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in our Christian communities today, where we do default to rules, yeah. and when we default to rules, suddenly the influence of the Spirit gets pushed to the side, and that's the danger. Yeah. But rules feel tangible, Yeah, and we don't like stuff that's not tangible. Right. And we've talked about how obscure it feels in many ways to think of living with the Spirit or keeping yeah. in step with the Spirit or following the Spirit. I don't even see the Spirit. So how am, I supposed, that. Yeah, yeah. how am I supposed to do that? So actually, Paul's going to give some specific instructions about how to live by the Spirit that create certain boundaries or denigrations between what's your responsibility and what's my responsibility and what I need to do to help you and what I don't need to do to help you and what's God's part in the process and what's my part in the process. Oh, good night, Isn't He's that interesting? Give us rules, right? it, well, <laughs> we want to be careful to not hear them that way. After six weeks, we're still there, right? <laughs> because that's what we want to turn them into. But yesterday, as we were looking at how to restore a brother who's caught in sin, I mean, sin's caught up, a brother or sister who's mm-hmm. been overtaken by sin. We're to do it gently. We're to do it with an understanding of our own tendency to fall, there's a boundary thing. It's, I'm not fixing you. I'm not here to correct you. I'm not here to say, I've got all that plus. I'm here to come with my need to be forgiven and reflect it to you so that you can see your need to be forgiven. See, that's what I'm saying. See, that's how this grace indwells us of the Spirit and helps us live differently. Mm-hmm. So let's keep looking at that. Let's read chapter 6, verses 2 through 6. I can read it. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than the neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Oh, here we are again. Paul's so confusing. (laughs) (laughs) But let's think about them with the concept of boundaries. What's mine? What's yours? Mm -hmm. What's theirs? How do we live out grace with each Mm -hmm. other? Again, remembering the Galatians were really struggling with doing it right, okay? The first thing he says is to carry each other's burdens. In this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Wait. (laughs) There we go. We got our law. But again, <laughs> I'm so grateful that if he's going to use the word law, which is a little confusing yeah. at this point, at least he qualifies it because so much of the problem has been the law of Moses. God. Yeah. And now he's clearly taking us to a different kind of law. Okay. Right? What kind of law? Yeah. You know, I think what he's talking about is the law of love. As we've transitioned through the book of Galatians, we've talked about the difference between being a slave to the law and being a slave to love, between the flesh and the spirit. You know, And this whole new way of being is what God gave his son to accomplish in us, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And This is a different way of being that steps above the law of Moses. It's but different. why aren't we back in Moses now? I mean, it sounds like the law of love, basically, we know from the New Testament, love fulfills the Old Testament law, right? So why don't we just have a new law? Is that what we have? We turn it into that, don't we? Well, how do we not turn it into it? Okay. Let's struggle through Maybe that. Maybe the difference is in how we understand the word law, mm-hmm. more like the law of gravity mm-hmm. than like a law of uh, uh, government. That's an interesting point. And Bill, we're going to see that Paul actually uses the word rule right at the end of the book of Galatians. And I do think he's meaning a different, this is what makes sense. Again, the concept of boundaries. This is commonsensical health that happens when we live out of grace appropriately. 
And he uses the phrase law of Christ. Last week, he tells us what the law of Christ is. And he says, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he is bringing us back to that love. And then right after that, he tells us that love is only one of those graces that comes by the Spirit. Okay, so this law is a grace. Mm -hmm. That would be the difference, right? So this law is a grace. And the way this grace looks is in the form of love. Like law of gravity, Mm -hmm. it's a reality more than a rule. Okay, the Spirit is our source. Right. So it's a grace that is sourced, that comes from the Spirit. Yes. That now becomes this And so when we're walking in step with the Spirit, which we've been talking about the last few days, we're going to live out a commonsensical law that's going to make sense in how we live with each other. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to carry each other's burdens. Now, wait a minute. Isn't that your burden to carry? But what Paul means here is those things that are too heavy for us to carry, and they really have to do with things like temptation or a spiritual failure. We're going to help each other with those areas. So does this pull us right back in the last conversation? Here, I'm going to give you an example. Carry each other's burdens. Here's one burden. When someone's caught up in sin, Mm -hmm. remember the grace Mm -hmm. that you have been given. You're still tempted, too. Out of that grace from the Spirit, help carry their burden. That's perfect. Help them walk through With that. whatever help God gives you to yeah. do that, right? Yeah. So back to the beginning, when you started us off thinking about boundaries, mm-hmm. does the boundary come in verse 5, where it says everyone must carry their own burden? It's a both and you know, kind of thing. The boundary comes in understanding that when your struggle is a temptation, especially to get things wrong spiritually. I'm called to be the body of Christ with you, to help you with my faith, to help shore up yours. Then as you go on, each one should test their own actions. In verse 5, each one should carry their own load. That's a different concept of burden. That word is used of a ship's cargo, and it's more like your own individual backpack of responsibilities. Are your own. They're my things to carry. I know where your issues start and stop and mine start and stop. I'm responsible when you're struggling spiritually to shore you up and believe with you. I'm also responsible to carry my own stuff and not load that onto you to carry. Okay, so that's what you mean when you talk about boundaries. Yeah. That's really good, Elisa. And I think for me, where the boundaries really come in on this is that yes, while I have the opportunity and responsibility to carry the load for others, there's some loads I can't carry for them. And that's where the boundaries come in. And having the wisdom from the Spirit to know when to step in and help and when to step back, because I can't carry that load. But Jesus can. Yeah, practical section of Galatians there about carrying each other's burdens, but also holding on to your own responsibilities and not carrying for them what they need to carry. It's a delicate balance, but with the help of God's Spirit, we can support each other as the body of Christ. Well, you are listening to the Discover the Word podcast with your friends Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Orion Dane. We're in part six, the final part of our study of this letter to the Galatians titled, It's All About Grace. So, have you ever gotten tired? I mean, tired of trying to do the right thing? It doesn't always seem like there's a huge payoff, and you just kind of get worn down by the struggle. Whether it's in relationships, or parenting, or at work, or at church, you get tired. 
Isn't there a phrase about being weary in well-doing somewhere in the Bible? Well, yeah, actually there is, and it's right here in Galatians chapter 6. And so if you have an area of your life that is wearing you out, then stick around for the next part of this Discover the Word podcast right after this message. Now, during this study of Galatians, I've been also taking a moment in each episode to tell you about one of the products in the wide range of devotional literature that we publish. From the beginning, Our Daily Bread Ministries, originally known as Radio Bible Class, has been a Bible engagement ministry. Our mission, as we state it now, is to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And one of the ways we've been able to help many with that over the years is with devotional literature that points people to the scriptures on a consistent, daily basis. And one of the most popular devotionals that has stood the test of time is Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Utmost has sold over 13 million copies worldwide, making it one of the most popular religious books ever written. These captivating words of wisdom from Oswald Chambers have challenged and inspired readers with biblical wisdom for over 80 years. If you've never used My Utmost for His Highest in your devotional time, I do hope you'll give it a try. Uh, there are classic and contemporary versions of the book. Look for My Utmost for His Highest when you go to discovertheword.org and click on our store. Then type in devotionals into the search bar and you'll see that as you browse through all that we have, My Utmost for His Highest. Again, go to discovertheword.org and click store and then search devotionals. And now let's see what Paul has to say about what to do when we're tired, when we're weary in well-doing. In what ways do you ever become weary in well-doing? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's a phrase. It's in Scripture, but it's a phrase we kind of use. Are you weary in well-doing? Do we think of that about ourselves? <laughs> maybe, yeah. I think of it as burnout, maybe, is mm -hmm. one of the first ways that I see it in myself, where I start to be a little edgier than I should, and I realize pretty quickly... I'm overcommitted. Yeah, people in yeah. caregiving situations, mm -hmm. I think, oftentimes Ooh, that's good feel word. that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Johnny and Friends does a great job with yeah. that, the Johnny Erickson's ministry, because all over the country in the summertime, they have camps yep. where families who have a disabled child or so forth can come, and they can have a family camp experience, but someone else is responsible for mm -hmm. caring for their child during that time. And Get a break. Yeah, yeah, it's such a wonderful gift to give to those families. Sometimes we can become weary in well-doing for other reasons. Think to yourself, well, I've already served for 50 years in the church. It's someone else's turn. Mm -hmm. Just kind of letting our own flame go out. And then maybe instead of being burned out, we've been burned, being wounded. So I yeah. think there's maybe three different ways we can what be weary. What I think too was the wounded one, because if I go back to my years as a pastor, there are times where you really make yourself vulnerable to reach out to people to try to help them. Oh, okay. And then they misrepresent you or do other things that uh, all of a sudden you end up on the opposite side of the thing. It really can be disheartening. Yeah, or you come into a new company or ministry or business or something and you're really excited, you have all these ideas, and so you work really hard and present one of those ideas and then they decide not to do it or mm. they <laughs> say no or yeah. you do it and then they don't give you any credit for it or something. Ooh, and or so they take the credit. <laughs> yeah, so then you have another idea 
but do you really want to put that much energy into that idea? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to give it your best? Mm-hmm. Because last time that didn't work out so well. Okay. These are real conversations that we might be surprised to find in the pages of Scripture. But I think this is the kind of response that Paul's talking about as we get to the end of the book of Galatians. We're in chapter 6, and we're going to be looking in in verses 7 to 11 here. And let's read it, and then I want us to really wrestle with what is he saying, and how might it apply to them and to us. Do you want to start us, Bill? Sure. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman reaps what they will sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. Or let us not become weary in well-doing. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. Okay, but before we dive in too deep, what have we learned about the place of our efforts with God? To use the term martyrs used a couple of times, they have to be sourced. Any of our efforts to do good can only be done in the power of the Spirit that we've received by grace. That means we have to be very aware of ourselves, of what we can't do, and how deeply and desperately we need the help of the Lord. That's beautiful. His Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. And really walking with the Spirit step by step. And we've talked through five and a half-ish chapters of Galatians (laughs) Mm -hmm. that have described how unsuccessful it is when you try to add to grace, Mm -hmm. when you try to win God's favor, because you can't. You can't do things perfectly. So let's hold that as the foundation we're building on today, because when you hear that, don't be weary in well-doing, it sounds like pant, 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 puff, 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 I can never do enough. Mm -hmm. And that's not what Paul's saying. He's still giving instructions to a people, churches being torn apart by the division and the difference of theology of, is it, can I earn my salvation through legalism and works and moralism, or will I receive the gift of grace that brings me into relationship with God? And so being weary and well-doing, they are tired people. Mm-hmm. Are you sensing that there are people on both sides who are trying to do the right thing and they're ending up fighting about it? Yeah, Worn it's out? kind of surprised us all. He's calling brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to both the Judaizers and the ones who believe in grace. And his heart is broken for both, and he really wants to bring all people back together, which is what we see in these verses that we've just read. But I think he does something else here that's really wise, because up until this point, all the conversation has been internal. This has been an in-house problem, me and you within the family of faith. But he very gently kind of turns it and says, don't forget, there's a whole world out here that we have a message for. That's where you see that. that. In that last little bit where it says, while we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Mm -hmm. There's more at stake here than just us Mm -hmm. and ours. You know, when you walk into a church, do you sense a different kind of love in that church than you see in the world? Do you sense a different joy in that church than you see in the world? And that's kind of what Paul's Mm -hmm. saying. We need to be what we say. It seems to me that when you talk too about when we show up in church, do we see it? I'm not so sure, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not so sure we're supposed to see the difference all the time. Hmm. I'm wondering whether or not the difference of the Spirit really shows up in those moments of conflict, Mm -hmm. those moments that really test our own limits. Or by crisis. 
I travel every year to a, a specific country that's dominated by a different religion. And everywhere you went, you were under threat because of the way Christians were viewed in that society and in that culture. But then there was a huge natural disaster and Christian relief organizations from around the world just flooded into that country. Mm-hmm. And it altered that culture's perspective on people of faith mm-hmm. because they saw them living out in a good way, their then. grace in yeah. a very mm-hmm. positive way. Paul's actually introduces this element of opportunity and time. You're both giving examples of that. He says, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then he's going to talk about not being weary and well-doing for at the proper time, Mm. we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Mm. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let's do good. It's interesting. He talks about, are you sowing to please the flesh? That word actually means decay. You know, it means like something is decomposing Mm. compared to the spirit, which is giving life and yielding life here and in the hereafter. But this concept of in the proper time. Mm. That is really, again, walking in the Spirit Mm step-by-step, trusting that what I'm investing in today will come back Mm -hmm. in another Mm -hmm. day. And that concept is kairos time, Mm -hmm. you know, means God's overall sovereign time. Mm -hmm. Does that help us understand that? It helps, but I don't know that I feel that encouraged from this. (laughs) And what I mean by that is when I'm at that point of burnout or weariness, someone telling me not to be weary to not grow tired. I'm like, well, I'm already there, mm-hmm. but keep going because one day you'll reap a harvest. To me, that just feels like more push to do more. It does feel like works again, doesn't it? Yeah, we have to live in the first five chapters to inform this. And what are you hearing then in the first five chapters? That it's all about grace. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yes, if I'm getting weary and well-doing, it may be that either I've overstepped the boundaries that we've talked about, or maybe I'm trying to do it in my flesh mm-hmm. instead of in his strength. But what you're finding in the text here too, at least I think, is that moment of opportunity. Whether or not we have been trying too hard ourselves or whether we have been doing it in the spirit, but we're just plain tired now. Mm-hmm. We're more aware of our exhaustion. It seems like that again is a moment for God to do what only God can do. Mm-hmm. And it may not be immediate, That's right. but we may look back a few days later and say, ah, it was the end of myself. Yeah. Let's read it again and think about God's provision. When you hear those words opportune and in due time, let's think about him stepping into what we don't have. Do we hear this differently? Daniel, would you read it this time? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That initial phrase, God cannot be mocked, in a way sums it up. You know, and that really means you can't thumb your nose at him. You can't just walk away from him. He's in charge. He's given the Spirit to walk with us and for us to walk with through our days. And when we unplug, we're going to unplug from the source of strength and hope that we have. And decay is going to be the result. His desire is that we stay connected. And when we do, he provides what we need to continue to live out the grace that he's offered us as sustenance for our lives. And other people are going to notice. 
how do you respond when you get an email? And it's all in caps with an exclamation mark. I know who sent me the email, and he wasn't angry. That's just what he does. (laughs) The caps lock got stuck. Yeah. (laughs) But if you don't know, you don't do that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because? Because it's like shouting at somebody. Right? Yeah. I got an email once from someone who was clearly unhappy with me. Not only was everything capped, it was bolded and underlined. (laughs) (laughs) They would say, and I'm doing this because I know exactly what I'm doing, That's right? right. <laughs> they were making a point. Yeah, we get set off a little bit. It's unnerving to read an email all in caps. And it's so funny because we are nearing the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're in chapter 6. And Paul, all of a sudden, writes in caps. <laughs> okay, let's just read verse 11 of chapter 6, and then we're going to pick up verse 12. But let's just focus on verse 11 because it's very unusual. What does it say, Bill? See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Exclamation mark. Yeah. Yeah. What has he just finished saying, though? He has brought some kind of conclusion in his remarks, but he has more to say. Which is very Paul, by the way. Very Paul. But he is bringing something to a conclusion, and there's a transition. And there's all kinds of explanations. Some commentators say that he's now taken over the pen and is writing with his own hand, whereas before he was using a scribe to Mm -hmm. take the letter down for him. Well, and if that's the case, it goes back to some things we've seen earlier, that there's a possibility he had some severe eyesight issues. And so that could account for him having to write with large letters because he's having trouble seeing his own writing. That's really good. So you're saying he may not have been shouting. He may not have been shouting. Ah. And so when we read that sentence, it doesn't mean pay super close attention to the next comments any more than to the ones that preceded it. It just means he's writing in large letters. All right. And it means that he's writing personally. And that he's actively involved in this letter. That's right. At the beginning, he said that he's writing it along with this group of people. And I think he wants mm-hmm. them to know, I am actively involved in what you're reading. It's really good. He's owning it. Yeah. But I do think you're right, Martin. I think he's owning this content so that he doesn't push it off. If there's a complaint, well, yeah, but, you know, that's the part that Barnabas wrote. You know, mm-hmm. No, he's owning this. And why is that so important? What is the Because point? it's a letter of conflict. And net out the main big idea? That it's all about grace. Mm-hmm. And he is owning that idea mm-hmm. in a very, very significant way. There have been some false accusations mm-hmm. that Paul wasn't really accredited in his apostleship or that maybe he was the one who was laying laws over grace. And he's like, no, we're going to be really clear. But to further make the point, the book of Galatians ends differently than most of Paul's letters. By that, let's take a look at a couple of others. Um, Would you grab Philippians, Mart, and Daniel, would you grab... Ephesians. And then, Bill, could you grab Colossians? And just the last couple of sentences, listen to how he typically ends a letter. Okay, all the way to the end of the letter, huh? Yeah, Philippians. He says, uh, it's a greeting, final greetings. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Greetings, and then grace and peace. Letter writing's different in the ancient world. In our country, we put the greetings first, Mm -hmm. and we put our own name last. But in ancient letter writing, you put the person who's writing the letter's name first, and then the greetings last. (laughs) It's very interesting. It is. It is. And he does the same thing 
in the book of Ephesians? Yeah, so this is Ephesians 6, verse 21, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus will tell you everything. He is a dear brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace be with the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and very personal greetings. Mm -hmm. And then Colossians. Colossians, he actually starts his greetings in verse (laughs) 7 of chapter 4. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant. And then he brings greetings from Aristarchus and Mark and on and on he goes. What's really interesting is in his last verse, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And it makes me wonder if he wrote it in big letters. (laughs) (laughs) He may have one of those really big signatures. (laughs) Okay, we could be nitpicking here. But I think in the book of Galatians, Paul goes in verse 11 to see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hands. And then there's no greetings. Verse 18 is the only kind of ending that we have. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Period. But between 11 and 18, Paul goes off again to his big ideas. (laughs) And he doesn't do this in the other books. And I think it's fascinating. He still wants to make it clear what he's so passionate about. And so when we look at today, and then we'll conclude tomorrow, he says in verse 11, see what large letters I use as I write you with my own hand, exclamation mark. And then what does he say in verse 12? He's not going to just fade off into the sunset, is he? With greetings (laughs) and grace and peace. No. No. He says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Oh, my goodness. Boom. That's the mic drop moment. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. And back it goes to the main point. It reminds me, and I don't mean this in a stereotypical way, but of how we try to prove our worth at times by what we accomplish Mm -hmm. for the kingdom of God. It's important to report Oh, how many people have come to know Jesus and how many people we've helped know how to grow in Christ and et cetera. But what he's implying is that by means of the flesh, you can somehow impress people mm-hmm. and to avoid being persecuted. Yeah, that's what he says. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. I mean, he's just like, bang, bang. And really, he's picking up where he was in chapter one, where he says, am I here to please people Mm -hmm. or am I here to please God? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not here to please people. And then he picks up that same idea later where he talks about, they just want this because they want you to make much of them. Yeah. And you want to be made much of too. And we talked about how the idea there is this passion, this misguided passion. They want the credit. Yeah. The mic drop moment comes when he says the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. We've looked a lot at the cross and Paul's talked about it as being an offense. Mm -hmm. What is he saying here? Well, I think he's pointing back to Jerusalem again. Because the persecution of the church, at this point in time, I don't think there's a lot of persecution going on in Rome yet. Mm -hmm. But Jerusalem is where persecution started. And it started because they were setting aside Moses Mm -hmm. in favor of Christ. By re-importing Moses, maybe they're hoping to dodge 
the persecution that the cross was bringing. And Paul would know that more personally than anybody because he was that person. That's right. And in this very letter earlier, he talked about, I was the one persecuting the church. I was the one trying to destroy it. And so he knows very personally what it looks like. That's good. And you know what? I think I read that with the wrong spirit. It was wrong for me to read that as if he was angry and shouting. I think he was writing that with tears. Yeah. Because we've seen that throughout his letter, that he is passionate that the Jewish believers who leaned back into legalism come out of that understanding and instead embrace the true grace that God's offering. Do you want to read it again so that we hear it maybe the way, not with large letters, but maybe the way that... I think he may have said, you know, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want you to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. And there's a little difference there, isn't there? Yeah, it's a big difference because, again, this goes back to why Paul may have said, I wish I could be with you personally so I could change my tone. Mm -hmm. You know, the turn in tone makes so much of a difference in how we hear not just the words, but the heart behind them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if there's not a better place for us to see Paul's heart where the Judaizers don't necessarily want what's best for the Galatians, Mm -hmm. but Paul does. He loves them so much that he wants what's best for them. And what's best for them is grace. And he also wants the Judaizers themselves to receive what's best for them. And so while we think he's starting to ramp up to the end of the letter, he has a few more hopeful offerings to underline before he signs off with grace at the end. listening to the Discover the Word podcast as we come down to the end of our study called It's All About Grace, in which we're going through the book of Galatians together. It's been a great study. In fact, Elisa said this in uh, kind of summarizing how the group has felt about going from beginning to end over these six episodes of the podcast and studying together this entire letter. It's changed me forever in how I think I'll read Galatians in the future. Yeah, and so you don't want to miss the conclusion of our study. But before we do that, let's take a moment to peek ahead to what's next for us in our next Discover the Word podcast. When you hear the third of the Ten Commandments, the one about taking the Lord's name in vain, do you think that's a command about swearing or using the Lord's name flippantly like, oh my God, or even oh my gosh? Well, next time on the Discover the Word podcast, author and professor of Old Testament at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, Dr. Carmen Imes joins the group to talk about how in that third command, you see a major idea that appears in the Bible from beginning to end, that of bearing God's name, and that it's about more than just the words we speak in relation to God. Yeah, so that's what most people, most Americans are assuming is going on here, that you shouldn't swear, use God's name flippantly. I would say those are still bad things to do. But this command is anything we do that might misrepresent God. So that includes way more than how we say God's name. It includes how we drive, how we talk to our neighbors, Mm. how we interact on social media 
how we handle our money. There isn't any area of life that's untouched by this command. A memorable conversation about bearing God's name with Carmen Imes on the next Discover the Word podcast. And now let's listen as the group finds in the closing words of this letter what is at the center of the It's All About Grace message, the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you have a favorite hymn about the cross, about the crucifixion? There's so many hymns that are kind of about the cross. Because like for me, Be Thou My Vision is such a wonderful hymn about Christ and all that he's done. But it doesn't really focus on the cross like I think you want me to. But that's my favorite hymn. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of stuck in that same tension because I think of it as well where they describe the benefit to us of what Christ did, right? And that sin going away. So again, not clearly about the crucifixion, but about the benefit Mm -hmm. that we receive Mm -hmm. thanks to what Jesus did. Yeah, I think you know I'm not too much taken with hymns, but the old rugged cross gets to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? Studying the book of Galatians together has completely changed how I hear your answers. (laughs) Because yet, Mark, you tick the box. You know, the old rugged cross is a hymn about the cross. But you know what? So is it as well with my soul. Mm. So is being thou my vision. Everything we've been talking about for the last six weeks, what really matters is what happened on the cross, you know, in our lives. So all of these are right answers. (laughs) And that it reveals the heart of our God, our Father, right? Exactly. It does. And that's what I see in Be Thou My Vision, and it is well with my soul. We see how much our Father loves us and how much Mm -hmm. he cares. But, Elisa, you didn't tell us what your favorite was. (laughs) It was hard to pick. Um, I was thinking about when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Well, it goes on. But the way it starts out really echoes what Paul is doing at the end of the book of Galatians. You know, we looked yesterday at him writing with large letters and then his ongoing concern for the division that had happened with the Judaizers and the Christians and the Christian Judaizers and struggling with that they would somehow miss the main point. Galatians doesn't end like many of his letters do with greetings and final remarks. It ends with a continued plea that we keep the cross central, Mm -hmm. that we keep grace at the center point, the hallmark of our faith. What I would love to hear too is maybe our friends around the table could send us what their favorite hymns about the cross are as well. That'd be lovely. You can do that on Facebook or Mm -hmm. Instagram or wherever. You know, I think also, and we've seen so many times how Paul has looped his ideas together. So throughout the letter, even as recently as yesterday, he was back to that tension Mm -hmm. between the flesh and the spirit and Mm -hmm. circumcised and uncircumcised. We've seen how he's woven together all these ideas. And once again, at the beginning He talked about grace and peace. And now at the ending, he's talking about grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a consistency. Yeah. Even in the midst of all the density of what we've been studying. Yeah. And there's a simplicity too. We've been Mm -hmm. saying that grace really is what comes from God. It's his kindness, his favor. It comes from him. We've talked often about the difference between Moses and the law and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, from the top of Sinai come these commandments of what we must do. From the top of Calvary comes what God has done for us, you know? It's a completely different kind of story. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And the one story was a, a guardian to get yeah. us to the second story. Right. It had a place. Yeah. 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 It revealed our need for grace that we couldn't accomplish by ourselves. And Paul does end the book of Galatians. In fact, Daniel, would you read the last verse, verse 18? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. And that's where our period's going to be. But between where we were yesterday, his words about circumcision and the cross, he makes some final points. So let's read them and try and understand them and then see how we might take home this message. Let's read verses 13 through 17. Mark, you want to start? Okay. And even those, Paul writes... Even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Mm. We talked yesterday a bit about how the Judaizers perhaps were looking to gain a reputation by adding in the law back into this. And he alludes to that in verse 13, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Paul has a lot to say about boasting. In 1 Corinthians, he talks a lot about Mm -hmm. boasting. We could turn to that. It's actually 1 Corinthians um, 1, verse 26 down to 31. He has some strong comments about boasting. Do either of you guys have that? Yeah, I've got it. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no one should boast before God. And then verse 30 and 31, Daniel. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's a lot of words here to make the point that it's all about the cross and it's all about what God has done for us. We never can elevate ourselves above that. It just won't take us anywhere. Yeah, whenever we're reading scripture, It's always a good idea to look for things that are repeated. And you're right. That's the concept repeated in this section several times. The cross, the cross, crucified, Mm -hmm. crucified. And so in verse 14 where he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's his takeaway point. It's interesting to me too that in verse 16 he says, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. We spent all mm-hmm. these weeks talking mm-hmm. about how Paul's against the rules. Mm-hmm. What might he mean here? Is it similar to when he talked about the law of love? Yeah, it's a rule of grace, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a grace from God that comes as God through Christ shows how he handles his authority, how he overcomes his enemy, mm-hmm. how he continues to show patience and mercy, even in the face of insult and anger and hatred. So he overcomes our flesh 
everything that we try to do to defend ourselves and to beat out one another mm-hmm. by giving himself as a sacrifice and saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's a whole different standard. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different way of fighting. Yeah, and I think the word standard is what's so good because when we think of rule, we think of something that's supposed to control us and to control our behavior. But when you think about a standard, that's something that the Spirit of God helps us rise yeah. to. It's kind of turning the idea of rule upside down. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about the graces that come from the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness. They're gifts from the Spirit. And they're seen in the cross. And they're seen in the cross. Think of the love that you see there. Mm -hmm. The kind of joy he expresses. Peace in a situation where there should be no peace. Right. Patience. Mm -hmm. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Kindness to the thief next to him who says, please remember me. Faithfulness to his father. Mm. Goodness. Mm. Think of the self-control that (laughs) that he showed. Well, and he even says, right? Like, if I needed to, I could call a bunch of angels and come down. That's right. What we're doing is gently reminding ourselves of what's happened inside us as we've studied this book together. I think one of my biggest takeaways is when I used to read the book of Galatians, I would get stuck on words like law on words like flesh, or even Judaizers. Mm -hmm. I would get stuck in judgment. And in this study, in this time, I've discovered a great compassion in Paul towards those who have it wrong, and a great desire that they not miss what they have available to them. Can I just say me too? When you see that theme of grace go through the whole thing, changes the way that you see what Jesus did, and it changes the way we see what the Spirit does in us. Yeah. There's a flow, there's a stream flowing through it. And when you see Paul saying, I'm like a woman giving birth to a child, I'm so in anguish over you. The depth of that is such a small representation of the depth of what God wanted for them. Paul really is expressing the heart of the Father for these people. It's represented by the cross. And his final words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit brothers and sisters. Amen. It's all about grace. What a great way to wrap up this series titled, It's All About Grace, by focusing on what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's the foundation. That's why, as this whole letter has stressed over and over, it is all about grace. And I am so glad that you could join Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day here on the Discover the Word podcast for this sixth episode study. And we would love to hear about your personal discoveries, your aha moments from this series on Galatians, along maybe with your favorite hymns about the cross. You can share those with us by leaving a comment on our Discover the Word Facebook page. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Well, over the years, we've heard from thousands and thousands of grateful listeners who have benefited from these Discover the Word studies and from many of the other resources Our Daily Bread Ministries provides. Our digital and print resources reach people in over 150 different countries. And when you give a donation, you're partnering with us to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. If you'd like to give a gift of any amount, 
You can do that on our discovertheword.org website. Click Donate. All right, well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedding. A Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.